Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at... This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells with Talk to Tom. Sponsored by Greenway Dodge. Florida wildlife goes all out to keep warm when the temperatures drop. Many are familiar with the manatees in the springs, but did you know other creatures create their own antifreeze? Say what? That's true. Hi everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells here at the powerful WKMG News 6. We'll get to all of that coming up in the next half hour here on Talk to Tom. But first, I wanna answer your questions about the weather and any other questions, anything you wanna ask? This is your time, feel free to ask. Just go to clickerorlando.com and get in on the conversation. Today's first question comes to us from our friend, Lily Sanchez. Lily wants to know, hey, who chooses the names for the hurricanes? Well, Lily, we've answered this a time or two here on Talk to Tom. So um, I don't mind answering it again. It's a, it's a good answer. You would think that I get to do that, but I think you know me well enough to know if I was getting to name the names, they'd be cooler. They would, but the hurricane names are chosen for us by the World Meteorological Organization, which is part of the United Nations. And they pick them way in advance. They have a meeting where they pick the names and we know what they're gonna be because they rotate every six years. Like in six years from now, we'll use the same list that we use this year minus the ones that get retired. We retire names if they create a lot of human loss. That is, if they kill a lot of souls, take a lot of souls away, or if they create big time economic havoc. If they're truly crushing in the economy, or they're truly dangerous and have killed people, or if they're meteorologically a standout, like if it was the longest running category five storm circling in the middle of the ocean, but never caused any trouble, we would still maybe retire that name. So six years from now, we wouldn't use that name. If it killed a lot of people, caused a lot of economic damage, or is meteorologically a standout, it would get retired. Otherwise, we'll use that name again. So if you go back to the record books and you're looking for Hurricane Charlie, Charlie came around, 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 and then in 2004, we had a bad Hurricane Charlie. We'll never use that name again, it got retired. Same with Hurricane Matthew, same with, you know, all the ones you can name from the past from Hazel on down. Retired, never to come back. All right, next question comes to us from our friend, Caitlin. How do experts predict how many hurricanes will be in a season if the weather is always changing? That's a great question. Caitlin, I, I work on this one a lot. Um, there are any number of people who forecast hurricane seasonal forecasts. Now, I'll come back to those in a moment. The real experts who started this whole thing were the folks at Colorado State University, Dr. Bill Gray and his understudy, Phil Klotzbach, were the original creators of the seasonal forecast. And back when they start, when Dr. Gray started this 30 years ago, it was kind of laughed at, frowned upon, not thought much of, but he had figured out some similarities, some of the way things are set up in the atmosphere to make things or to kind of indicate what kind of season we would have. He deals with sea surface temperatures. He deals with whether or not we're having an El Nino or La Nina. He dealt with uh, all kinds of other factors from situational pressures on land in Africa to rainfall in the Sahel region of Africa. That one went away. They look at different factors try to figure out analog years when the weather setup was the same way. So all that rainfall 
or lack of rainfall in the Sahel region of Africa, they took that away because they figured out whether it rained or not didn't seem to add up to any number of hurricanes. So they check that one off the list. But they look at the atmosphere, sea surface temperatures, salinity, pressure, gradients, atmospheric changes, whether there's an El Nino or La Nina, put it all together, try to figure out a year that looks like that and base their forecast a lot off analog years and analog seasons. That's how it's done. So yes, the weather changes day to day, but forecasting hurricanes is almost climatology. Now they've become, um, they've recently, there have been any number of yahoos online or at TV stations who will claim they're doing their own seasonal hurricane forecast. For the most part, those are trash. And when the season's over, they'll come back and go, oh, look, I'm so proud of the way things went. And right here in this zone, we nailed it. And what they're, what they're showing you is climatology from the course of the last 30, 40, 50, 100 years where things do occur off the East Coast or do occur this time of year in the Gulf. And they go and say, oh, there could be a hurricane there. We think it really could. And then when something comes close, they claim victory and go home. That's kind of trash forecasting. And they ought to be ashamed of themselves. You can go online and figure it out. But that, that's the people you really need to pay attention to if you're looking for a good seasonal forecast, as the folks at Colorado State and Dr. Phil Klotzbach does a great job and is totally transparent in what he's using to do the forecast and totally transparent was the original creator. They're the OG, as the cool kids like to say. All right, let's talk about the next question. It comes to us from our friend, Luis. What is the most powerful part of a tornado, top, middle, or bottom? Okay, um, Wind speed determines the power of a tornado and damage that it does in the EF scale. And so what happens is you get a rotation aloft and you get like big rotation aloft and that that's powerful on its own. But as you have a vortex that comes down to the ground, the swirling part that's swirling the fastest does the most damage. A tornado has an eye wall like a hurricane does, but it's small in circumference. It's a little bitty thing and compared to a giant 10 or 15 mile or 30 mile or 40 mile, even 60 mile eye of a hurricane, you get a small tornado eye. And so I would say the most damaging, powerful part of the tornado is the bottom, where it's tightened up. Conserved its angular momentum is spinning at a rapid rate. High aloft, it'll be spinning, you know, around, but at the bottom, it's flying, and all the damage happens when it encounters the ground. And so I'd say that's the most powerful part to me. It's my reasoning, the bottom. Last question of the day before we jump into uh, the animals comes to us from our friend. Dave, Dave said, did you know there's a song out with Danny Trainer in the first line? No, I did not. I did not. And I know Danny pretty well. And I would be willing to bet Danny doesn't know there's a song out with his name in the first line. I would appreciate it, Dave, if you'd send me that a download or send me that Spotify link or send me that YouTube link to that song because I want to know. If there's a song out about my man Danny... I'm going to want to know. He's going to want to know. Uh, I would question, is it a rap song or country song? I know that Danny is more into blues. I promise you. But please, let me know what that song is about. Yes. Danny Trainer's name in the first line. Can't wait. All right. Thank you for all your questions. And remember, if you want to get in and get your question answered, it can be weather-related or other. It can even be about Danny Trainer. I don't mind. Just feel free to send it to us at clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. Let us know if you'd like to be on the show and maybe we can hook up with you on Zoom and get you in and ask your questions almost live. Now, stick around. 
as we break down some of the unusual ways that Florida's wildlife stays warm during the winter. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you thought Florida's wildlife was wild, you should see the wild ways. Some of them keep warm during the winter. We're talking everything from pythons to manatees, insects. Hello everyone, I'm Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrell from WKMG News 6. Meteorologist Samir Kakinos went down to the, uh, the big rabbit hole of research trying to figure <laughs> out how everything in Central Florida stays warm. We're talking all kinds of stuff. We're talking insects, birds, pythons, manatee. Samara, welcome back to Talk to Tom. Thanks for having me back on. I'm surprised after the last <laughs> interview, you said, hey, come back. Hey, no worries. You crushed it. Are you kidding me? Um, weirdly enough, people want to know always what's going on with um, the animals. They want to yeah. know um, anything we know about pythons. We did a show recently where we talked about Python DNA being in the waters of Central Florida, which in turn tells us that the pythons are here. We're just not seeing them because they're shy and we won't see them until there's too many of them. Too many. But mm -hmm. we do know, based on what I read in your article on Clicko, that um, the ones that are here, uh, animals that are in Central Florida are very interesting as well. And they have cool ways of staying alive, if you will, during the winter. Talk to yeah. me about alligators. What'd you find out? Well, you know, um, like you said, I went down this rabbit hole trying to find out a lot of this information. Like, you know, you feel bad because you, we're always saying, hey, bring in your furry friends. Well, you can't bring in, you know, the, the alligators unless you were right. for but again, was it Gator World, Gatorland? Unless you um, want to go to jail. Yeah. It's illegal. <laughs> unless you want to go to jail, you know, but... Um, you can't bring every possible wildlife creature into your home. So I was like, well, how do they prepare for this kind of thing? And so alligators, um, you know, if you ever see an alligator in the winter out in the middle of just open land in the sunshine, mouth wide open, that's exactly what it's doing. It's regulating its temperature. So they actually like to, because they're cold blooded animals or cold blooded reptiles, they, they like to um, bask in the sun to help regulate their internal temperature. So that's what they're doing. And I mean, it doesn't get any more Florida than that now, does it? Yeah, on the on the you see them on the banks of rivers, uh, mm -hmm. lakes, ponds, whatever. So Lake most of the time, I think they're trying to cool down, but sometimes they're trying to stay warm. Yes, in the winter times, they're trying to stay warm and kind of help regulate that internal body temperature. And um, snakes will do that too. Um, okay, well, snakes, let's talk about snakes. We'll talk about yeah. That. Uh, what type yeah. of snakes were you talking about in your article? just all all of the snakes so random different snakes i mean just de depending on what they're, they're all more afraid of you than anything so they're not really trying to um come at you or or to attack you um but i did put a, a note in the article saying hey if you're going to be you know collecting all the leaves that you just raked up but they've been there for a few days you might want to kind of check that pile of leaves because um snakes will like to um to hide in those leaves because it also provides them warmth so it's kind of like a blanket mm. for them so you may 
uh, be surprised at what's hiding in those leaves. <laughs> uh, but they also like to hide under, you know, big tree trunks or the, the limbs that have fallen that you haven't um, picked up or that have been there for a while. Right. Um, but they like the sunshine too. Um, they try to slow down their movement uh, and that basically that helps them conserve a lot of energy. What a drag. You know, yeah. as well, they're a lot less before. active in the winter, which is good. Yeah, but <laughs> if they're out there under my brush, mm -hmm. that's a problem for Big Daddy Tom. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. talk about birds. Birds are, um, as we know, we've talked to experts here before. They're leftover from dinosaur era. They mm -hmm. are uh, feathered. They are ancient. And they know somehow their bodies keep them warm. Explain. Absolutely. So, you know, they, they actually shiver. Do you know that? I've seen them shake, but is that truly a shiver? Yeah, it's a shiver. So what they're doing is they're kind of like trying to keep, keep warm because those muscle contractions actually allow for their body to maintain some type of heat or make a heat, kind of like when we shiver, same type of thing that they're doing. Um, but they also have really cool ways um, that they've adapted. And some of those in different species, it depends on what type of bird does what in terms of their feathers and, and you know how fluffy they get. If you ever notice in wintertime, um, a lot of the birds uh, will look a little extra pudgy and, and, and fluffy. It's because they are uh, fluffing their feathers to allow for some of that heat. Hey, don't uh, body shame the bird. No, I'm it's not fluffy. body shaming the bird. I promise. I love them extra fluffy. I think they're so cute. <laughs> kind of waddling around. Now, um, yeah. when you say fluffy, you don't mean just body mass. You mean like feather size too, right? Yeah, they're feathers. So they grow, some of them grow supplemental feathers, um, like down. You mm -hmm. know, we'll see down. We have some people have pillows full of it, or now we have down alternative, which is what I prefer. Um, but that down helps to keep them warm. It's a, it's kind of a fluffy layer. But they also have, um, some birds will have oil near their tails, like the end of their tail. And that oil, they will, when they're preening themselves, when they're cleaning themselves, you know, they're always doing something to make them to keep their feathers clean, because that's how they trap the air next to their body and keep it warm. Um, but they have these oils in their feathers that they can actually spread all over when they're cleaning themselves and it actually weatherproofs their feathers. Let's move on to insects for a moment. I don't like <sighs> spiders and snakes as Jim Stafford would say, but spiders do have a cool way of staying warm because you'd think we cool down into the thirties, they should all mm -hmm. be dead, but they don't. Die. Right. Why? And you know, they slow down. Um, if you ever, I mean, I remember when I was little, uh, somebody said, if you put one in the freezer, it won't die, but it'll stop moving. And I'm like, okay, well, the reason why it won't die uh, is because spiders um, make their so own so-called um, antifreeze. <laughs> I was like, what? When I read that. And so I looked into it a little deeper, and it turns out they have a, a chemical inside their bodies that prevents ice from forming within their body. So it keeps them from freezing to death. Um, but spiders, you know, um, starting in September and October start to be uh, a little more active. You'll see them out and, you know, making webs and stuff. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you'll notice them in your home and they're trying to come inside because it's getting colder and they need a place to be for shelter. And of course, you know, uh, if they're, if they lay their eggs, your home is their home. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get back to mammals. Something I do mm -hmm. love, like um, bobcats, fox, coyote, bears. Mm -hmm. How do they stay warm? I mean, we know that bears hibernate. Do fox also hibernate? You know, so they 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 don't hibernate as long as 
the ones do up north. So they don't have to, right? Mm -hmm. Because our 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 winter weather is not as dire as um, up north winters or a bit bitter cold and where they sleep for months on end. Um, but a, what a lot of these animals, you'll start to notice again, they're looking um, a little extra fluffy. <laughs> and that's because they eat more to pack on the pounds. Um, so when they're less active in the winter, they can conserve a lot of that energy, use some of that stored fat for energy so they don't have to go out and about um, or extended periods of time looking for, you know, their prey. Um, but they also will grow thicker fur. Some of them will, like fox will. Um, and they will also have uh, dens. Or if you have, you know, a, a really raised porch and you're out in the middle of the woods, guess what? You might get a bear underneath that. Even though they're very shy animals, um, they have a tendency to go away from the public, um, except for the ones that we reported on going downtown near Lickiola. I think he was a little <laughs> lost though. <laughs> hey, but that was the season for that. And now we're getting into winter and they're not as active. Um, when they go out, they try to minimalize, minimalize the amount of energy that they have to use. Um, so they pack on the pounds leading up to uh, winter so that they have a little extra, um, a little fat jacket, so to speak. Okay. To keep them warm. I, I can identify with that. Let's talk Same. about everybody's favorite endangered species, the manatee, and what happens with the manatee and why we could be causing trouble. Go. Yeah. So when I went down there, I was like, oh, okay, well, everybody knows about the manatee, right? Um, they always go to where the warmer water is, and that's our natural springs. Uh, the water it may be cold in the summer, but in the winter, it's actually pretty warm as its natural source. But the problem is um, when we have power plants, um, and you know you really don't think about it, but the the discharge station where the where the water runs in there is actually warm, so it it has it's good and it's bad. It's an artificial source of warmth for manatees. And you're thinking, oh well, that's good. We're helping them out. Mm, not really, because then they don't actually learn where the real natural warmer sources of water are for them, and say if that power plant gets shut off for any reason at all, then that water is not going to be warm anymore. Mm. And unfortunately, manatees are creatures of habit and they will still go to those discharge basins um, near the power plant, even if it's not operational. And they will sit there anticipating that water to be warmer and they will die. They'll do the Pavlov dog thing. They keep going. Yeah. Where they're trained to go, even if it's exactly. not working. Yeah, and oh. usually it's, it's younger ones that do it um, because they don't know where the sources are. Um, and of course, if it's getting cold fast, they're trying to find the warmest source of water as quickly as possible, you know, to get out of that cold situation. They don't <clears> like cold in, uh, weather at all. They can't survive in it. They can actually get sick and die from it. I mean, we've, we've done plenty of reports on that, but the discharge station uh, really kind of threw me off a little bit because I was thinking, wow, here we are producing energy and we think, you know, nothing of it really, um, unless you get a really high bill, right? But other than that, we don't think about how it impacts nature. And, and that's one way that we're providing an alternative source, an artificial source for manatees, but it's not necessarily a good one for them. All right. Um, Kokinos, thank you so much for the information. Tell people where they can find your article if they want to go read about it. 
So you can go on clickorlando.com mm -hmm. and um, underneath the weather tab, uh, there will always be some sort of wild weather story. I try to find some of the weirdest things um, that weather impacts mm -hmm. and you'll see everything from pine cones being meteorologists to <laughs> to stuff about, you know, spider, spider season to um, even like um, underwater um, waterfalls and lakes that are like Jurassic levels. So it's right. crazy. Thank you, Samira, for being here. That's Samira Kokino. She can watch her Thanks every Saturday me. and Sunday night on the powerful KMG. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate being Thank here. Thank you. All right. And remember, you can listen to our podcast anytime, anywhere. You listen to podcasts and you can always watch us anytime on News 6 Plus.